the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Roswell in the 21st century is a detailed re-examination of the Roswell UFO crash case. I have studied the evidence for more than 30 years, and I now put that evidence under a microscope in a cold case examination of the facts. These facts might not please everyone. They are based on my comprehensive investigation that took years to complete, but they do lead to the conclusion that whatever fell was not built on Earth. The best of Project Blue Book is based on the 22-year-long investigation conducted by the Air Force. But the book goes far beyond that, bringing in evidence that was uncovered long after Project Blue Book was ordered terminated. Using facts that were unavailable to the Air Force investigators, I was able to prove that the Air Force manipulated the data and drew unrealistic conclusions about the UFO sightings reported to them. My different perspective shows there was more to Project Blue Book than even the Air Force knew. Both books are available at Amazon.com. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404 474 0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404-474-0086. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Kevin is a retired United States Army Lieutenant Colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. I always say that so you'll know it's really me and not somebody sitting in for me. I had a big rant plan, but uh, I don't think I'm going to do that now. Uh, Everything else has gone wrong. I'll just leave that to uh, somebody else at some other time. I will be joined here with Bernie O'Connor. he, he tells me, having been a child of the late 50s and throughout the 60s, I literally grew up in the middle of the space age. I was surrounded by sci-fi-themed comics, sci-fi-themed black-and-white B-movies, and sci-fi television shows. I'd like to point out that those of us who write science fiction do, in fact, call it science fiction, and sci-fi is what the uh, fans attempt to call it, I guess. Um, 
And let's not forget the many pulp sensationalist and flying saucer expose magazines that adorned the newsstands at the time. And we'll be talking to him about some of that. So believing in the unbelievable came believably easy for me. Flying saucers landing out in the distant country fields, disgorging humanoids who run all over the place collecting rocks. No problem. Now throw ghost haunted houses and the abominable snowman and we didn't even have Bigfoots back then. Nessie, silver screen werewolves, the monster under the bed, and the one lurking in the closet into the mix, and the Fortean garden of my mind is thoroughly fertilized. Thus began my lifelong fascination with the unexplained, which is still going strong today. This fascination led me to become becoming the editor of official UFO magazine back in the 70s. Through it, I had the privilege of meeting and working with many of the eminent writers and groundbreaking ufologists of that era. Now that I'm retired, I can devote myself full-time to all these crazy mysteries. My latest project is a documentary review site concentrating on videos. If, uh, if he had streaming, Charles Fort would have spent his time watching them instead of sitting in dusty old library all day. In honor of him and his first book, The Damned, I named the site www.videosofthedamned.com, and I will have a link to it on my blog um, quickly so that you can just link to it. Bernie O'Connor, welcome to A Different Perspective. Well, thank you, Kevin. It's been a long time, and I appreciate you remembering me, and I uh, look forward to talking to you about it, and uh, congratulations on your many achievements and your many books over the years, and I have uh, actually uh, uh, my bookshelf groans under the number of books I have of yours. So, uh, <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate the uh, the royalty, the eight cents that comes in for the sale of each copy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're one of those rich UFO writers, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a whole raft of us. Uh, yes. Back in the 70s, I think there were a half a dozen magazines that do devoted to UFOs. Um, Official UFO, which you were the editor of. Uh, yes. Saga's UFO Report, Argosy UFO, True's Flying Saucers and UFOs, and a couple of others, I think. And oh, those yeah, are a couple, yeah, real UFOs, I think it was, and there was a lot of one-shots, too. <clears throat> What you probably don't know, and I think it was Saga, um, had sent a number of us letters or notes or something saying that if we wrote for the other magazines, we would not be published in the pages of theirs, mm -hmm. which, which I thought was a pretty crappy thing to do. And I figured <laughs> if, if they alienate all the writers, who's going to produce the material for them? So I just ignored the edict, and I think almost everybody else did too. Right. Now, now yeah, I, I was familiar with that uh, that letter, in fact. I, I think you even showed me your copy of it or sent it to me. But, yeah, I was familiar with that. That was a, from a gentleman out in Brooklyn there, in uh, Johnson yeah. Street. Yes. Yes, yes. How did you end up as the editor of uh, Official UFO? Well, it, it, it was um, sort of a weird bunch of coincidences. Uh, the main source of UFO books in the, in the city at that time was the Flying Saucer News Bookstore over on, I'm going to, if I remember correctly, I think on the West 50s, right off at of Ninth Avenue, and Jim Rigberg, uh, he, he was, he was, um, he had all the fly, Flying Saucer News Bookstores, he had everything. So I was one of his main uh, uh, clients, I would go and spend my, my money I made as a messenger and whatnot, uh, and buy UFO books. Although I was working at the time, so I was earning the salary, so I, I spent my, my paycheck there. And uh, gentleman Roy Mosney from Countrywide Publications, that was uh, 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 Myron Fass, who used to do comic books, he's a comic book artist uh, way back when. It was his publishing company. And uh, Roy Mosney was the uh, uh, publications director, and he went into... Uh, uh, Jim Starr, and he said, hey, do you know anybody who's really into UFOs and so on and so forth? And and Jim and I had a relationship, and, he's, and he gave, uh, he was kind enough to give him, uh, Roy, my name. And one thing led to another, and the next thing I knew, I was uh, uh, the editor of Fisher UFO. So it was uh, sort of that type of circular um, uh, events that, that came to came to be. Did you have any background or training in, in ed editorial work? I mean, did, did you take journalism or writing courses, or was it just kind of a uh, Well, actually, I, I worked at an ad agency, so I was uh, actually the art director at the time, but I did a lot of copywriting um, for various ads, brochures, um, uh, you name it, anything. And at that time, everything was printed, so we, we, we 
wrote and we printed everything. And uh, so I did a lot of writing there. So that was really my background. It wasn't, it wasn't too much, but Roy, actually at the uh, at Countrywide Publications, <clears throat> we had the editorial director. And then I had, a, luckily I had a staff of people, uh, proofreaders, editorial writers, and so on and so forth. So um, luckily I, what I wrote, was was so somewhat in a finished form, but these folks really made you look good. I mean, they corrected the grammar, they had questions, they came back and forth with you, you know, they asked you about facts. Uh, so th- that support team really really helped a lot in terms of of, of producing the magazine, and and they were it, w- it was a beehive uh, really. It was a it was a pulp I'm going to say it was a pulp magazine. Um, uh, publication house, so pulp magazines at the time, it was down and dirty, cheap and cheerful, uh, a lot of sensationalism, uh, a lot of sensational books he, he uh, printed as well. But you, and, kept, uh, you, kept the sens- you kept the sensationalism out of official UFO. Well, the, fir- the first one was completely cre- uh, completely manufactured in-house. I mean, they had dogs with bleeding ears and crazy things and everything like that. And so the first issue was totally totally fabricated and, and and that's what Myron was because he was a sensationalist guy uh, he came he came like I said from the old school of comics before the comics code so anything went and uh, you know the more sensational the headlines uh, the, the course you know as today uh, the better the sales the more sensational the topic and so on and so forth so um, him and I had some moments and uh, at the time I said I wouldn't do it if, if he didn't you know let me do it my way, and he said, and he said, well, let me see how it goes, which was uh, good on his part. And he, he was a character in himself, boy, crazy, crazy guy, crazy stories. Uh, he used to bring a gun to the office. <laughs> he, he was <laughs> he was a character to work for. And uh, then he let me go, and Roy Mosley, the, the, the editorial director, he stood up for me a lot. He, he went to bat for me a lot. And so for those issues that that I was there, and I think a few issues afterwards, uh, we were able to continue uh, uh, working with a stable of writers like yourself, uh, Kevin, and uh, the other writers. And I got a lot of help from Jim and Coral Lorenzen uh, of APRO. Uh, they introduced me to a lot of people and, and, and uh, so on. So they were, they, they were instrumental in, in me reaching out to the writers I felt we needed one. And, of course, at the time it was... I said, oh, oh, we're going to solve the mystery. Hey, we're going to do it. Don't worry. You know, the third issue, we'll have this all finished. <laughs> so, uh, Well, the interesting, uh, the interesting thing, and I, I want to point this out, is, is that uh, periodically on the checks, when, when we get a check, there would be an extra buck in it. And, you'd, huh. and you put, the, the extra buck is for beer. So I always thought that was Right, crazy. right, right. <laughs> well, but, you and I, I think it was, what was it, uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. We hooked up at that uh, conference and yes. I said I'd buy your beer and I think I did so if I remember correctly but yeah yeah no it was it was uh, and, well you you kind of uh, wanted to do um, legitimate UFO stories and the, oh, yeah. the, the thought that comes to mind was there's a story that uh, you did in the magazine that particularly appealed to you or that you thought was really great and I and I caution you I've got about a minute before I have to take a break well, what was that? that what a, a favorite story that I did? Uh, fa- a favorite story, a story that you thought was really great. Okay. I, I, well, actually, I think what it was with Coleman von Kavitsky's The uh, Flap of 1973, where he uh, uh, took all the all – that was a, a tremendous year. I mean, that was the big – every big sighting happened that year. He took that and he, he uh, took a map of the USA and he pinpointed all of them and he had descriptions of, uh, of that flap. Uh, that's one article that that uh, springs to mind. Um, let me see. Uh, I, I, there was a uh, in fact just today I was working on something for my video site. Uh, the article about the uh, movie UFO on it, the true story of unidentified flying. Well, let's let's come back. Let's let's come back to that because I got to take a break here. Your sure. website is www.videosofthedam.com, and it's all one word, Videos of the Dam. Mine, of course, is www.kevinrat.com. And uh, we will be back right after this with Bernie, and we'll have some questions about uh, the wave of you. UFOs in 1973 and uh, talk about some of the other exciting stories that he published in his book and a little bit more about his website. So uh, please stick around.
Are you looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents, and tributaries from which to choose. With Jenny as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. Is formulated from zoolite whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past life lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. with Bernard O'Connor, formerly of the magazine Official UFO, which we talked a little bit about, and the website is www.videosofthedam.com. Mine, of course, is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. I want to just take a moment to thank those of you who have purchased the Vesto Project Blue Book, which is the book that I just came out with. It's been up and down on the various Amazon bestsellers lists, and if you join the book, think about writing a view, because that helps, believe it or not, it encourages other people to buy the book. When we went away, uh, we were kind of talking about the wave of 1973. And this was a time, and it's about an eight-week period from, I think, the middle of September of 1973 through the middle of November of 1973 of all kinds of UFO sightings. They were seen on the ground. The people were being abducted. They were seeing gathering samples and all of that sort of thing. And you, you found that a particularly interesting time, I think. Is that what you said, Bernie? Yeah, yeah, but I mean that in that one time period that you that you just referenced. I mean, think about it. We had the Pascagoula incident, okay? Charlie Hicks and Callum Parker taken on board, okay? We had the Cone case, uh, which at that time the Enquirer awarded that as I think the case of the year. They paid him five thousand bucks, where the UFO encountered a uh, uh, oh gee, I, I forget uh, an army helicopter. No, army, 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 army helicopter. Well, it was lifted up. Actually, the beam of light, I would say, lifted it up in flight and then brought it down again. I mean, I actually, I actually, I actually interviewed one of the crew members on this show oh, or, uh, uh -huh. to, talk about, to talk about what had happened there. And so we've got some, we had some good information. I had Charlie, Charlie uh, Parker on the, uh, uh, Calvin Parker, I'm sorry, Calvin Parker Cal on the show as well. Boy, my okay, mind has yeah, gone yeah. completely bonkers all of a sudden. So uh, that was, you found that a particularly persuasive time? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Right, and also the Jeffrey Grant Hawk uh, case, which was the famous picture of the uh, what are called the aluminum, the uh, tinfoil uh, creature who looked like uh, I would say was a fire, looked like a big heavy firefighting suit. But if, I don't know if you remember the pictures; it was an aluminum suit, and he took he took two pictures of it with this Polaroid. Jeffrey Grant is a patrolman at the time, and the thing took off. It just it went off running, 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 and it disappeared. It was gone. Uh, but then he was persecuted for these pictures. I mean, he lost his job. His his home was burned down. He had to leave town. Um, what was one thing interesting, and I had done it. I'd done some uh, research on that uh, area, and it was around. And, uh, please forgive me, my mind, uh, uh, in terms of remembering. It was around a. He was in a military base area, and at the time they were testing the laser the laser tank. They had a tank that could fire a laser beam, and they were doing tests at the time. Now, this this I'm going to call a humanoid was running was wearing a reflective suit. Now, what better defense against a laser than a reflective suit? So I always felt there was a little bit of something tie-in. Uh, was it a, was it a, a AI? Was it early AI? You know, artificial intelligence? Was it early robot? Because how could it outrun? Uh, I believe he chased it with the police car. How could they outrun a police car? But there was there was some things going on there that sort of seemed seemed like they they fit together and they didn't. That that's the whole mystery of, of UFOs and anything forty and they almost fit together but they don't. So did he? That, did that, he? I, I did, think, did he see an object? Sorry. Did he see an object? No, he didn't see an object. I don't recall. He only encountered the the uh, the reflective suit humanoid. Uh, on his patrol, and he got out and took two Polaroids of it. But then, uh, like, unfortunately, uh, you know, he uh, he suffered uh, persecution and so on uh, for this. So, uh, you know, it. it, it did uh, you did you come to a conclusion about what had happened, what he'd seen? No, no. Other than the fact, I I had suspicion when the when I found out about the laser tank being uh, uh, tested at the time. Uh, other than that, no, I don't think there was any resolution to the case. And then he he just disappeared. Uh, Jeff, as far as I know, you know, I didn't follow up. But as soon as I, as far as I know, he disappeared, and, and that was the end of it. So, um, like so many other police officers, I, I was just looking coincidentally in the last couple of days the Carol Wayne Watts um, encounter from 1967, mm-hmm. which was published in Official UFO. Mm-hmm. And I came across a note that uh, his life was turned upside down as well. As I guess his wife eventually left him. His uh, sons have disowned him. He ended up in jail. Uh, um, had a massive fine against him. And uh, I, you know, I look at that case and I think, well, it just doesn't make a lot. What what he described inside the UFO it didn't make a lot of sense because it, you're talking about paper maps for crying out loud. And I'm thinking if you travel interplanetary distances, and because he thought they were from Mars, um, you'd have a better mapping system than a big sheet of paper. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Betty, you know, Betty Hill, you know, she she saw, I believe, a screen with a map on it. But yeah, but that's but that's different. She saw a three dimensional representation, yeah. and he's talking about a paper map. But the the point is, I mean, there was a, quite a controversy about that. Do you remember that case at all? Uh, yeah, I, I know the name. Offhand, I, I can't re- recall the uh, specifics of it. But I mean, it's ringing a bell uh, in terms of that. But uh, off, oh, I, I recognize the name. That's all I can say. And he was um, well. Interesting. He lived in the town of Loco, Texas. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, which I always thought was kind of funny. I actually interviewed him back in 1968 about this. And and uh, there were a series of sightings that he had had. He'd taken, uh, he'd been invited on board the craft and it became sort of like an abduction. They said, well, you've got to, you've got to come on board and take a, a physical so we can take you on a flight. And he said, no. And they kind of stalked him until he uh, went on board the craft. They did the physical, took a flight, uh, did that sort of thing. He came back, and it got out into the media. And uh, he was going to take a lie detector test set up by, uh, I think, the Associated Press. And as he was going to the um, interview, he was waylaid by a couple of uh, guys ambushed and uh, told if he he passed the test, um, 
he'd never make it home. So he he says he purposely flunked the test. Mm-hmm. What's interesting well, about it, the case is really not the UFO sighting. Uh, afterwards, he took, um, in the, the months that followed, he took uh, several pictures of UFOs over the area, both on uh, both with black, black and white film and color film, sent them to the Condon Committee, and the pictures disappeared. Mm-hmm. Which oh, is yeah, interesting. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hector sure. Quintanella, who was the chief of Project Blue, Ca- Blue Book at the time, Book, got, right. got a call from the uh, reporters and Quintanella says, oh, I don't believe the story, or, you know, the better story you might be looking at is how he perpetrated the hoax. So they, uh-huh. of course, suddenly don't believe him anymore, because here's the official guy saying it's a hoax. Um, but there, and, and that really is kind of the interesting part of this, is the way the government, the Air Force, treated the case, whether or not he really was taken on board the craft, but the, but the things that happened around it were kind of interesting. Sure. Yeah. Well, that, that's what you're saying. I mean, that's quite common. I know several uh, witnesses. I mean, after almost the event or the supposed event that happens sort of gets buried when they go down this rabbit hole, they say, as to what happens to you later on in terms of you know, strange people talking to you, the government doing odd things, uh, the research going uh, haywire, uh you know, the classic phone's not working, uh, which I wonder now if, if I remember that was a classic, even John Keel and, and other investigators on, on the phone had problems. I wonder if that goes on with cell phones. I don't know if I, I haven't heard anything like that, but that was, that was just a question I had. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's sort of, it's sort of scary when you think about it, what could happen to you if you just see something and gee, what was that? You know, this really happened to me or this, I made this claim and all of a sudden, like you said, your life is turned upside down, and and it's it's never the same. I mean, it it just changes that. But uh, uh, for some reason, I'm, uh, when you mentioned Carol William Watts, for some reason, a picture is popping in my head of him eating a pie. Was that the was that the picture that was everywhere of him sitting eating a pie? No, there's uh, there's a picture of him with two investigators, and one of them's holding up one of those old square microphones from a big old reel-to-reel tape recorder while he's chatting. Okay. Okay, for some reason, I don't know why that popped into my head, <laughs> but uh, who knows? Who knows? Well, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned people um, having trouble. It's, it's, other than the things we've talked about, any other examples of that where people were kind of uh, harassed, I guess, for seeing UFOs? Well, if you want to you know, go across into the, the men in black, if you want to go across into the mystery Air Force people, uh, knocks on doors, don't talk about that anymore. I mean, you know, once you get into that whole that whole area, whole different area of men in black. I mean, that obviously is the classic uh, threatening. Uh, don't talk about it. Don't get involved. Don't um, uh, don't tell anybody what you saw. Uh, uh, area of study of, of this uh, diverse phenomenon. Many areas you can look into. Um, and then, of course, you go back. You know, if, if we go into the, the Roswell. Uh, reports, and you get the um, many reports, and some you know they're hard to verify because it's so long that the uh, Air Force personnel actually tells people that you know if you say anything, your body you'll disappear in the desert, nobody will ever find you. So there's a mythology that sort of takes a life of its own, and I'm, I'm only using the word mythology almost like uh, if you talk to someone who is who I'm going to say is not a UFO has not studied UFOs, not a ufologist. I mean, if you talk to anybody, uh, it, it's in the culture now. You know, oh, yeah, Roswell, yeah, UFOs crashed. Oh, yeah, and the government's covering it up. Oh, oh yeah, that's right, you get threatened. Well, so, let me let me break so, in here. We'll, we'll come back to the idea of threats here in just a moment. i got to take a break. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm here with uh, Bernie O'Connor. His website is www.videosofthedam.com and we're going to get into I think a little bit more of the paranormal aspects or the Forkian aspects of it uh, when we come back. My website is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and since he brought it up I will mention Roswell in the 21st century gives you an outline of what the uh, case is in basically the 21st century. We will be back right after this so please stick around.
How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide audience if you have seen a ufo had a close encounter seen a ghost bigfoot lake monster or a story that you would like to share or have investigated contact me rob mcconnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll free 1-800-610-7035 extension 143 and on skype xzone radio tv for more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. I am here with Bernard O'Connor, former editor of Official UFO, and I'm going to ask him at some point about what uh, when the magazine went off the rails. But I also wanted to mention that there are some other fine programs about the paranormal on the Exxon Broadcast Network. So take a look at the listings at the Exxon website, which you can find at xzbn.net. And I'm sure you're going to find something that's going to spark your interest. When we went away, we were talking about the threats um, made to people who have seen UFOs. And, and Bernie, you mentioned Roswell specifically. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to say one thing here that I think some of that may have been overblown. And, and I, I, the reason I say that is the military people who would have been involved in this sort of thing um, probably were cautioned that the material that they've had access to or what they've seen is now classified. And if you reveal that material to people not cleared to hear it, you will find yourself um, court-martialed with the possibility of... Uh, I think at the time it was 10 years in jail and a $10,000 fine. It later was up to 20 years and $20,000 in fine. But I think some of the mythology and the the word you used about the threats directed at the Roswell people were an outgrowth of the classified nature of what they had seen as opposed to uh, uh, just generic type threats. Although I know some of the civilians were talked about how they would – have have trouble if they were talked about. But I was thinking about something. You mentioned the men in black. And and tell us a little bit about the men in black rather than me telling everybody about the men in black. <laughs> okay. Do you have three hours? No. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Yeah, really. Well, well, you know, going back to the first appearance of Men in Black, we go back to Grace Barker uh, and um, the a gentleman from Connecticut who, who ran the International uh, Flying Saucer Bureau. Oh, it's for some reason his mind, his mind escapes me, but he was. Um, it was very. It was a very big national organization. Unfortunately, his name escapes uh, me right Bender. now. Albert Bender. You got it. That's it, the gentleman. That's it. Yeah, he started the. Uh, uh, that organization became a national uh, organization. People interested in UFOs, and suddenly he was visited by. You know, when I say visited, uh, it's sort of like they just appeared in his house. They didn't knock on the door or or drive up in a strange car. And they warned him that you were getting too close to the truth about flying saucers, and you better stop it or else. So I mean, because that—that's just a very short uh, edited version of it. And he immediately shut down his organization, and uh, that was it. And uh, Gray Barker then kept pursuing uh, the story, and then he he published the, um, uh, the three men. What was it? The uh, three men in black. Or well, they knew too much about the flying saucers. So. Th- then as a book, it became, you know, it started to enter into the consciousness. And, of course, other UFO people uh, who were interested in UFOs read the book. So all of a sudden, uh, gee, there's strange silencers out there who are, yes, it's a government conspiracy. They're covering the truth and we're being threatened. So uh, just like you said, if you're for a national security purpose, which makes total sense, and, yes, we have to do those type of things, uh, there's the reality of of the real don't do this or else get in trouble because there's a real reason why if you do that this is going to happen makes sense so you take that reality and then you take these other stories which uh, and i'm going to go back to bendo were they confirmed were they not confirmed or only we only are taking what he said about what happened at face value and then if we then extrapolate that and accept that as reality all of a sudden we have a basis in reality for believing it because, hey, that's what the government does. So, yes, this has to be true. So now I, I was I I don't know why I always had the impression that Bender was not exactly uh, telling the truth about uh, how why he got out of the flying saucer business. Yeah, I mean, you, you read you read what what. Uh what transpired and so on. And it, it just seemed cut and dry and quick. And uh, if, if that was true, why was there no other follow-up? And, and what really, you know, not that I've ever seen those early newsletters that he had, he produced himself on his typewriter. What could there have been in there that he was so close to the truth or his organization so close to the truth that other people or other members did not know it? And why weren't other people... Um, Threatened. I mean, now going back to Gray Barker, he was a big trickster. I mean, he had, he he created admitted hoaxes. He had fun uh, doing it. He, he you know he said this is great. Um, and also, too, he's a publisher, and you know he wanted to sell books, which you know as anybody doing write a book, so there's nothing wrong in that. So did he take that that sort of germ of a of a very interesting story and and make it bigger than what it was? Well, as I said, I, I always got the impression that Bender was trying to get out of the flying saucer business because because it was actually costing him too much money to run the organization. It was probably I, and, I agree. This probably is, this, mm-hmm. this is the way he got out of it. Was well, I've been threatened, and I'm just not going to do it anymore. That as opposed makes total to saying, if we look at that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and and the thing was, um, I actually communicated with John Keel about this at one point, oh, uh, mm-hmm. quite a while ago. And he told me he came to the conclusion that the phenomenon, the men in black phenomenon, was reflective, meaning the more you worried about it, the more it seemed to uh, influence your point of view. I think suggesting some kind of a psychological manifestation as opposed to something that was based in reality. And I've always worried about this because I have a basically a national platform in the form of writing books and all of that, and I've never had a problem like that. I mean, I've had a military career and... In both the uh, Air Force and the Army, they knew about my um, interest in UFOs, but there was never any problem with that. And I, and as you well know, I criticize the Air Force frequently in the pages of the uh, yes. UFO. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you've never been threatened. 
Yeah, they no. never come back and said, you know, well, guess what? If you keep this up, you'll you'll never get benefits. You'll never get paid. You'll never get a pension. I mean, it, you're you're like a, you're out there. I mean, if anybody's going to go after you, you're out there. And and uh, I just never had any problems like that. So when we get someone, and I'm not referring to Bender specifically, and I'm thinking more of a, of a couple people that have talked to me from little local UFO organizations, with like 15 members, and said, well, we've been we've been visited by these people to shut us down, and I'm thinking, why? You have right. you have no influence. Nobody knows about you. Why would they Why would they do this when I've got a national platform? And and they could have easily shut me down. In fact, when um, I was being investigated for my my top secret clearance, the guy who did the investigation happened to live across the street from my father, and they told. I mean, there were like four articles I'd written critical of the Air Force in the file to be granted the top secret clearance, and I got the clearance. So it just never affected me in that that way yeah so, so you, when you look at reality then and 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 uh well why wouldn't they go after you and even myself when i was uh, uh editor of official ufo i i never had problems i i never had nobody ever came and threatened me um so I, I, it doesn't to me it doesn't make sense but then you, you talk about uh, uh, when somebody gets obsessed with everything and obsession Obsession by itself on any any uh, subject will will influence all your your condition. I mean, like conspiracy people. I have a few friends of mine. Everything's conspiracy. You know, I mean, they turn the co- they turn a, a, a package a brand turns different color in their packaging. It's a conspiracy, and and that sort of obsession gets in the way of your clarity. Uh, I read and I oh, man, I can't remember, uh, but Greg Bishop and I familiar Greg Greg Bishop, author, writer, investigator. He had gone back. He had written uh, about his obsession, and he, he was obsessed. He was he was afraid they were coming after him. He was he was he was caught up with oh my God, there's the knock, next knock at the door. Uh, what's going on? Uh, it was taking over his life. And then one day he woke up and said, you know what? I don't care. And it just lifted. It was like that obsession went away. So I guess obsession is is a very and, and I'm not a therapist and and so on, but any kind of obsession, any kind of uh, subject, any kind of career, any kind of, of, of work, uh, can only can only get in the way of clarity, and, and and that's the way I see a lot of that with um, Men in Black, uh, you know, Roswell threats, other threats. But then you get those cases that, like, oh my God, you know, yeah, that really makes sense. <laughs> and then then you here we are again, like I said, down a rabbit hole. <laughs> Well, let me let me ask you a question that's bothered me. I know I followed the history of official UFO, so I know it went off the rails, and you left as editor. Uh, what happened to official UFO quickly? What happened to it I, uh, after you left? I mean, why did you leave on purpose, or were you fired, or what happened there? No, what happened was I was I was at that time. You know, I, I said like I mentioned before, I used to work. I worked for agencies. I worked for uh, promotion agencies, and so on and so forth, and. At the time, I was I was sort of freelancing full time and doing official UFO, so my time was was really good. But then I got offered a really good job, okay, and it was it was good money and it was a good agency and a good account, and I, I couldn't devote the time to it anymore. So basically, I had to make my decision. You know, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's uh, fad publishing, it's pulp publishing. Uh, the numbers go down on one issue. Guess what? We're not going to print another issue. So I felt I couldn't really uh, look at it, looking at it realistically. So I went back, took the job, and and that's when I I left uh, uh, Countrywide. And they were very nice. They threw a nice party. They they gave me a plaque. Very very nice. And then um, a few people after that took over as editor. Uh, Russ Ruger. He was a PhD. A very 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 smart guy. Uh, Myron got more and more and more involved, and eventually wound up. Myron's sons uh, were editing one of his sons. I don't know if both. Well, let me let me I have to interrupt you because it's that sure. time again, and I, I hesitate okay. to bring it up. It is that time, um, and we're going to talk about your website when we come back, which is uh, www.videosofthedamned.com, which is take from uh, Charles Fort's book, The The Damned. Uh, my blog is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. We will be back right after this with Bernard O'Connor talking about his website. So stick around. 
In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet's day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality is formulated from zoolite whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. with Bernie O'Connor, which means we are separated by many, many miles. He's not in the room with me, so we're doing our our bit for whatever's going on. Uh, when we went away, yes, when we went away, we were talking about um, the demise of official UFO, and we didn't really quite get to it, but after you left and we had a number of editors, eventually it got into, they were just making stuff up. Yeah, yeah, it was Myron's son. And uh, a son, a friend of his, or either his two sons, I forget, but it was like a, uh, 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 yeah, they, they sat around and made up things. I mean, the, the, I think the story about the alien body or lab under the Empire State Building and, and all these crazy things. And uh, The one I remember, yeah. the one I remember is I think it was the town of Chester, Illinois, was destroyed by the aliens, but they rebuilt it overnight. So it was just back the way it was when the sun went down. You don't believe that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that was what. Yeah, I remember that one too. It was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was a lot of craziness. I think I have a buried somewhere. I have a few of those issues somewhere. And so do I. Mm-hmm, I hate mm-hmm. to admit it. I should probably set them on fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've got this um, website now. The videos of the damned, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's more than just UFOs. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I well, I, I'm I'm a uh, what you call it? I'm a, a, a documentary junkie, and I I can sit and just watch one one after the other after the other after the other. And now 
all these documentaries, especially documentaries that that, um, that deal with a Fro- uh, F- not Freudian but a Freudian uh, subject. I mean, it, it, they're just uh, YouTube, uh, especially Prime. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of them are on Prime, and um, why not look at them? And I'm review- reviewing them just as, as best as what I, I see them as. So uh, I, I look at Bigfoot. I look at uh, I just did uh, uh, Jesus in India. I just posted uh, the Bridgewater Triangle. So I look at all the Fortean subjects, and that's that's a, a broad uh, a base of, of um, mysteries to look at because people are not are familiar with uh, Charles Fort. Uh, back in the uh, 1900s, he was a great writer. He collected literally thousands and thousands and thousands of articles in libraries from all kinds of journals and so on and so forth. Fish fall out of the sky. Early, I'm going to call them early UFO reports because they weren't UFO reports at the time. They were, you know, huge birds and so on and so forth. Also huge birds. So we're getting a lot of those type of documentaries that are dealing with that, that uh, this, these type of topics. Some documentaries are like, wow, it's like a master's degree in learning a subject. Like they just, I just did the Bridgewater Triangle. If you've never heard about it before up in Massachusetts, this is a master's degree course on this um, this video. Some videos leave a lot to be desired. <laughs> they, they're called mockumentaries or docudramas and so on. So uh, I, I look at those too. And uh, I look at them from several points of view. Uh, what's the degree of mystery that they're dealing with here? Is there really a mystery uh, or is it uh, just touching on a mystery or is the subject behind that? So it's, it's bad. If I look at it, I look at it and say, hey, you know, I really learned something. And you know what? The facts in, in this documentary were accurate. Uh, and I believe it was real. You know, I'll look, I'll give it a better rating. So it's, do you do, uh, do, you do any chasing of, of sources? Do you do check out the sources of the document? Oh, yeah. So and said such and such, and you check to see if that's what was said and what was done? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do that. In fact, I do references when I do the review. Uh, in fact, this afternoon I was working on the, the uh, I mentioned it before, the UFO, I believe it was 1956 UFO uh, movie, uh, and uh, I was just going through that, looking at the articles they reference and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I, I try to do as much as I can. I try to present the background of the people who are in there, so if the reader uh, of the website wants to go deeper, they can do that. Um, and, and so I, I cross-reference, I cross-check, uh, I try to find things that uh, might add to the subject or uh, refute the subject. So well, I, found- I look at it as I found that some of the writers, and, and I looked specifically at the books as opposed to the documentary, but some of the writers just, they go to the, uh, they read a bunch of books about UFOs, and then they write their own book about it, and they don't worry about chasing the sources to see if if the the sources is accurate. And the one that, the one that sticks to me, which fits into yours, is the um, metal bowl that was blown out of solid steel in Massachusetts in the, in the 1850s. And um, they were saying how old it had to be and all of this stuff. And it was all written up in the Scientific American. And uh, back in the olden days, when you had to go to the libraries to do this, the University of Iowa had a complete set of the Scientific American. So I went and looked up the article. took me a long time to find it, but I did. And it turns out um, probably probably um, not quite as mysterious as they had it. Had it uh, the the blacksmith who made it was supposedly Tubal Cain, and you follow Tubal Cain back, and you realize that's a Masonic symbol and means something else again, and it may not have been blown out of solid rock; it may have been caught in the debris at the top of the rock and all of this stuff. But I got to the original source on it. But other writers had just followed the uh, what was in the various books, and they didn't bother to go to the original source. And that's always kind of bothered me about the whole UFO field is oh, a lot definitely. of times they don't go back to the original source. Definitely. Yeah. Well, those compilation books, like you mentioned, I, and I always, I, I, I always say to say, I say that loud when I see like a, a book, and I, I'm, I'm going to say Roswell uh, again because you'll see a book, and and I'll say, oh, gee, somebody read a few articles on Roswell and decided to write a book, you know, because <laughs> it's just so topical, and, and they pick up and they repeat over and over again, and you do see that in a, in a lot of books. I mean, even going back to Frank Strange's books. Uh, excuse me, Frank Edwards' books. Oh, Frank, I'm sorry. I was going to correct uh, you on that. <laughs> what's that? 
I was going to correct you and say you mean Frank Edwards. Yeah, no, Frank Edwards' books when he when he did all those uh, while well, he he wrote Flying Saucer Serious Business uh, that was a, a big book, but uh, he he started that was a follow up of Charles Fort that whole vein of books uh, Frank Edwards' books uh, several several other authors that escape me right now who wrote about unusual things oh the frog that came out of the rock or or the the, the guy who put a who set off dynamite and put a spike through his head and his personality changed. Uh, a, a lot of that, and it goes back to almost UFOs. It goes back to almost any any book you read. Uh, you'll see the same mistakes over and over and over again, or they get embellished each time they do it because the next writer picks up something and says, "You know what? I'm not going to say it exactly that. I'm going to change it because it has to be." Or, different. or comes to a conclusion based on what he's read there that's not exactly accurate, but the information suggests something to him, and he just includes that as if it's a new fact. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. It's an easy, uh, it's an easy uh, trap to fall into, or it's a, an easy way out to. to but in, to, hey, but I'm in, my, a book. in my defense, and that of Don Schmidt and and Tom Carey and some others who've written about the Roswell case, at least we were down there interviewing the witnesses and talking to the people rather yeah. than reading what somebody wrote, and and going from that point. We, you know, I've got literally dozens and dozens of tapes of the witnesses, both audio and videotape, of um, their statements back in the 1990s about what had happened in Roswell. So we were doing original research at that point, as opposed to reading that's, other books. Yeah, that's key. I mean, that, that, that's, you know, firsthand uh, recorded questions. I mean, firsthand uh, testimony on anything, anything is, is really, really where you're going to be able to judge the reality or the non-reality of whatever's happened. And police, police have, have faced that you know, face face that every day. You know, what's the what's the testimony? What's what's the story? Uh, we have too many of like, oh, you know, I, that really happened to a friend of mine's uncle whose second cousin saw something, and then that happened. You know, it, it's too much of that. We call it we call it a friend of a friend. Uh, yeah, exactly. Friend of a friend of a friend. You know, a friend. Of, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's like the famous well, the game telephone, right? When when you were a kid, play television. You whisper something, or it's a party game. You whisper something in person's ear, and they pass that message around the room. And by the time the last person gets the message, it's totally different. Yes. Yeah, I know exactly so, what you mean. Hey, Bernie, yeah. we gotta go. I oh, okay. I appreciated the conversation. We've had a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. We'll, really, have to, we'll have to do it again. The website is www.videosofthedam.com. You can look at it. You'll, you'll have stuff up uh, per, frequently, I guess. Oh, yeah, I try to do. I, I've been on a roll, so I've been uh, I've been banging them up. Probably, probably I do one a day. Uh, so I'm trying to get that really going. So I'm, uh, I'm up there plugging away. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Appreciate it. In great. the next have couple of weeks. Day. Thank you. In the next couple of weeks, I think we got something special going coming up. Um, I've got two guys coming on in the one one after another, uh, Doug Westfall and Andy Morocco. They both believe they found Flight 19. This was the Avenger flight of five airplane that disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle. And uh, rather than um, Going into great detail here, I'll just mention that they both uh, believe they know what happened to the flight, uh, although their explanations are sort of the same. It's not quite the same, and so we can look at the competing explanations here. We'll have I'll have one guy on uh, Doug Westfall next week, and then Andy Morocco the next week, and they'll talk specifically about that and what they believe is going on in the Bermuda Triangle. I think it's going to be very interesting. And uh, coming up in May, I'm going to have on Tom Carey. We're going to be talking about, uh, I guess, the Roswell nurse because he sent me a um, email, and I've got done something on my blog about it, where he disagrees with what Don Schmidt had said about the missing nurse. So we'll, we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about some other things uh, related to Roswell and UFOs with Tom Carey in the weeks coming up. And as I always like to say, you know, uh, if you're really interested in Roswell, I think the best book, and it's mine, of course, and that's why I say it is, uh, Roswell in the 21st Century. The new book is the best of Project Blue Book, and I looked at some of the cases in there and found some interesting information that went along with that. You have been listening to A Different Perspective on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Keep listening at xzbn.net, uh, and thanks for tuning in. <laughs>